All right, just want to add a quick note to this. I actually recorded this podcast yesterday and didn't have time to produce it, but I guess it's, it was fortuitous because today, this morning, they just announced that Spider-Man is back in the MCU, and there's going to be a third Spider-Man movie coming out July 16th, 2021. That's only a two-year turnaround. That's pretty amazing. And apparently it's going to be an MCU movie, and now he has uh, – there's, there's talk of him being in other MCU movies – so super exciting. Uh, there's not many other details out yet, but it's official. Sony's posted about it. It's all over. So I just wanted to say that for anybody who didn't know yet. Um, super cool. Spider-Man's back in the MCU. There's, um, and then along with that, there's plans for a Venom sequel, um, a Mobius movie with um, Jared Leto, and a, even a sequel to the Spider-Verse. So really cool stuff. Just wanted to throw that in there because that news was literally just announced. And so here I am uh, throwing it out to you guys. Anyways, uh, the rest of this podcast was uh, recorded yesterday, so uh, I'm just going to turn it over to that. Welcome to the BAMcast, because, and uh, I was only going to do one podcast this week. Everybody listened before, heard it, and what am I doing here? Well, guys, I'm here because there's so much to talk about. There's just This has been one of those weeks where just thing after thing after thing is hidden, and I, got, I just got to talk about it. So I might even be doing this podcast just for me, just so I can rant. But if you want to listen, awesome. We're going to get through some news, hit these things going on. But oh my God, did you see... At the PlayStation State of Play, this unbelievable trailer for The Last of Us Two. I oh my god! Three years ago, they 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 announced it was coming at E3, and I have been in waiting in the wings ever since. But I thought I thought they were going to wait till PS5, and now we get it. We they just announced we're getting it in February. That's five months away. I'm so excited. I love The Last of Us. It's one of the the only games in the modern era that I've actually gone back to and played again. And now I got to play it again with the third, uh, with it coming up. I got to get through it. I, uh, and, and then, Oh, so if you haven't played last of us, here's some good news for you guys on PS plus in October, it's going to be the free game. Uh, and that's super exciting. So grab it, grab it right away, play through it. It takes about 15 hours to get through. It's not that long. But it's absolutely unbelievable. One of the best gaming stories ever. The gameplay is incredible. If you guys like Naughty Dog games like the Uncharted series, you will love this game. So go play Last of Us as soon as it's available. But number two. You run into anything you can't handle. Ellie! Watch this trailer, guys. It's if you don't like Last of Us, you'll like it after this trailer. Um, so in it, like we're just getting the main character Ellie. She's grown up now. She's got a girlfriend, it looks like, and uh, uh, and then it looks like some happens. I mean, uh, my guess is the girlfriend gets killed, and then Ellie is on a rampage after that. She's ready for revenge. Joel shows back up. This is going to be so good. I love this new direction of games 
that, well, I mean, it's not completely new, but it's getting becoming more and more prevalent is that games are just telling better and better stories. And they're, um, and I love that. And this uh, is going to go to a whole nother level. The graphics look unbelievable. It looks just right. Like, Red Dead 2 kind of level graphics, which if you guys played Red Dead Redemption 2, that has probably the best graphics I've ever seen in a game uh, that big where, uh, yeah, where they can't just focus on graphics. They got so much else going on. And this is what that looks like. The world looks amazing. Um, it, the acting, the the writing, everything from Naughty Dog's always top notch. I mean, geez, ever since their last their last run of games has been incredible. From from Last of Us and Uncharted Four, two of the best uh, game stories I've ever played, and now this one, just another level. I cannot wait. So I had to just put that out there. Last of Us Two, February twenty first. PlayStation. If you don't own a PlayStation, you need to get one because it's got the best first party games. Whether it's Last of Us, whether it's Uncharted, whether it's Spider Man, God of War. I mean, come on, Xbox, you're fine and all, but your first party titles are nothing compared to PlayStation's. And this is just another example of how PlayStation is knocking it out of the park. And then the next month, actually just a couple weeks later, we get Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> I mean, I, I, my poor wife, I don't, I, I'm going to have to really figure out an amazing strategy of how to preserve my marriage <laughs> during the next, when those two games come out. Cause I don't know how I'm going to peel away from the TV. It's going to be hard. Um, there, there hasn't been that many games I've been excited about this year. So looking ahead, like this is super exciting. I'm ready to just jump in as a gamer again and, and go nuts into some deep games. Last year we had God of War, Spider-Man. Um, I got blackout red dead Two. last year was awesome year for games this year. Uh, it's been fine. But really, the only game I got into this year was Sekiro, which took me like four months to beat. So, uh, sorry. Sorry if I suck compared to some of you guys out there. But, uh, but did, yeah, Last of Us 2. So, well done, PlayStation. Way to get that out before PS5. Super excited about that. All right. The next thing I want to talk about that I saw this week that surprised me and thrilled me is the movie trailer for uncut gems i told you about how things were gonna go you like the way things are going now that's my family get the kids out of the house you having a good time yes so some of you are saying what on earth is uncut gems well you know what that's what i said too until i saw adam sandler and I love Adam Sandler in serious roles. Uh, it, Punch Drunk Love, awesome. I really ride for funny people. I think that's a great movie. It's not perfect, toward, especially the last hour, but it is. It's really good. He's amazing in it. Um, and I like uh, the uh, Rain Over Me. He's good in that movie. I just when Sandler plays a, a serious role, he tends to be pretty good. He's a super underrated actor. Uh, Spanglish. He's good in Spanglish too. Um, but as a as a comedian, you know, we love it. We know what we're getting with a Sandler comedy. It's going to be fart jokes, <laughs> just stupid stuff, but it's it's juvenile, but it's hilarious. And we we love it. That's why his he's made like 4 billion dollars his movies have made. People flock to still see his stuff on Netflix even though I I don't think his Netflix movies have been very good. But man, they they go watch them because it's Sandler and uh but man, I like serious Sandler too. 
In fact, I actually get more excited about Serious Sandler now. Oh, another one, Meyerowitz stories. If you haven't seen the Meyerowitz, Meyerowitz stories on Netflix, go check that out. It's great. It's, it's great. It's uh, Adam Sandler, Dustin Hoffman, Ben Stiller, and uh, it's it's fantastic. Go watch that movie. Anyways, so this comes out, Adam Sandler, a new movie, and directed by the Safdie brothers. Now, if you haven't seen Safdie brothers movies, they their movies are super gritty and stylistic, um, just very interesting movies, pretty dark a lot of the times, but this one, uh, looks awesome. He's, he's some kind of like, it uh, looks like a bookie in, uh, New York. Um, he's definitely dealing in, in crime stuff. That's kind of like, um, on the borderline of legal drifting into the illegal stuff. It looks like it's going to have to do with sports betting, super exciting, but then out of nowhere. Okay. I'm already excited about Sandler, right? This movie's looking awesome. Then I see. My boy, KG. Anything is possible! Kevin Garnett, baby. Oh, man. So I played basketball in high school. I'm a huge NBA fan. Huge. Even bigger than football. Even though I've only been talking about football, but that's because I haven't been doing this here at BAM since NBA has been going on. But uh, it's been the offseason. But Kevin Garnett is my favorite basketball player of all time. Jordan's the greatest. Kevin Garnett's my favorite. Kevin Garnett, man, I love him. I love everything about that guy. I watched his entire career. He uh, just followed him from team to team, rooted for whatever team he's on. There's some about him that just gripped me and uh, got 20 years of him in the NBA. So I watched him as a teenager all the way into adulthood. Love that guy. And he's in this freaking movie. He looks awesome. He looks like he knows, like, he's actually going to be a good actor. And I could not be more excited. Like, I saw KG in there, my boy, my longtime boy. And all of a sudden it was like, what is, like, who cares about Star Wars? Like, I'm going to see Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler and KG. <laughs> like, that is how excited and hyped I am now. I can't believe they got him in a movie. I don't know where this came from. I follow everything NBA, everything pop culture. And somehow Kevin Garnett being in a movie, a crime movie by the Safdie brothers with Adam Sandler got by me. So whoever's keeping those secrets, well done. I'm kind of pissed, but I am more excited. My boy's in a movie. So Uncut Gems, you guys go check out that trailer. I guarantee this is going to put the Safdie brothers on a map. Um, Sandler looks amazing and he's already getting Oscar buzz. But um, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Uh, in other movie news, this came out of nowhere too. Is uh, they're already seeding Jurassic Park three or Jurassic World three? Now I I didn't care for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I actually thought it sucked. But uh, there's always potential with Jurassic Park. I mean, who doesn't like still watch the first one and get filled with wonder? That is still just an absolutely classic movie. I, I kind of like The Lost World. I'm not going to lie. Jurassic Park 3 sucks. Jurassic World was fine. Jurassic World Fallen Forbidden Kingdom uh, or Fallen Kingdom. I can't remember what it is. I try to. I just blocked that it happened. It was so bad. But, um, I mean, come on, really? Like, we're trading dinosaurs at some rich broker's house? What a stupid idea for a movie. Ah, anyways, it's, it's terrible. It's so bad. Such a terrible movie. Anyways, number three is coming out. And it's coming out in 2021. So it's kind of crazy. They're already doing this much. There was a short film of it that came out last week. And now they announced that Dr. Grant's going to be back. Uh, Ellie Sadler's going to be back. Ian Malcolm's back, which he was in the last one. Um, 
Jeff Goldblum was in the last one. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of exciting. I'm really interested to see what they're going to do. I don't like the idea. If you guys saw the last Jurassic World, at the end of it, it's like the dinosaurs are the because the Isla Nublar blew up. There's a volcano erupted. And now there's dinosaurs in the world. Like, they escaped. And so they're out in the world. And so I don't know what they're going to do with this. I'm kind of interested in seeing it. But the truth is, you bring Alan Grant and Ellie back, I'm in. So they're figuring it out. They're so smart. They got me back in. It's two years away. So I'll probably even forget about this by then. But just so you all know, that was the big news. Ellie, Dr. Grant, all the, the, the main characters from the first one, basically, um, they're going to be back in this new one. So it'll be kind of fun to see them all hamming it up with, with Chris Pratt and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe they can bounce back. I'm hopeful um, just because uh, the Jurassic Park and dinosaurs, like the branding so strong. I'm hopeful it could be good. But it's two years away, so we're not going to talk too much about that. This week was Jim Henson's birthday. So just real quick, I just wanted to say thanks to everything Jim Henson. Um, creator of The Muppets, creator of Fraggle Rock, Sesame Street, Labyrinth, uh, The Dark Crystal. Dude was an absolute visionary genius. And uh, we super love him here at BAM. Uh, personally, uh, I've been into Muppets my whole life, as long as I can remember. My dad loved the Muppet Show, and so he started showing me stuff as a kid. And it just—I mean, there's few things that are as entertaining as the Muppets. And everything Henson touched. I mean, I grew up watching Fraggle Rock. I get home from school, watch the Muppet Hour in the uh, late '80s, early '90s. Watch Dinosaurs. If you—you you name it. Like Henson has touched so much stuff that we don't even think about. He did all the animatronic uh, Ninja Turtle suits for the old Ninja Turtle movies. Just. Uh, we've all experienced Henson's work in one way or another. And so uh, just a shout out to, to that man and what he created and uh, for an impact they put on us. He, you know, he passed years ago, uh, way too young. And um, it's sad because everything that's come since his, his son, Brian has done pretty good job, um, you know, with the company but it is not the same. We just haven't seen that visionary, uh, that, um, that pushing the boundaries of wonder and awe and even the humor. It just hasn't been the same. Uh, Peter Siegel's first Muppets movie he did kind of tapped back into that, but it was still just a rehash of the old thing. That, that new thing that Henson was always doing, that just way of always captivating us, hasn't been there since he passed. So that's pretty sad. But, but I just wanted to say thanks to everything Jim Henson and um, – yeah, man, uh, we miss you. You you uh, touched us all. So uh, rest in peace, Jim Henson. And uh, hopefully that um, that stuff won't die off because it's just a great form of humor, uh, great family fun. And uh, I just hope that that tradition gets carried on. So um, so here's to Jim Henson Day real quick. Oh, darling.
we're speaking of visionaries. This was also the 50th anniversary of Abbey Road. Now that's crazy. 50 years since the Beatles landed Abbey Road. Uh, if you guys don't know much about Abbey Road, it's kind of like the mysterious uh, Beatle album where uh, they're walking down the road. John has his legs different. If you pl- Apparently, if you played the record backwards, it said John is dead. It led everybody into hysteria that John Lennon had died. And uh, just a crazy album. And um, I mean, who's not a Beatles fan? If uh, I've been listening to the Beatles all day ever since I saw that it was the anniversary of Abbey Road. And they just don't get old, man. They're ageless. It's timeless. And we'll never see anything like them again. There's no way any band will ever be as big as the Beatles were again. So I just, uh, so let's celebrate that. So what, what Beatles are you listening to? That's why I'm wondering. Yesterday, Wednesday was National Comic Book Day. And it was so fun. I got to post uh, uh, up on our BAM sites just what was your favorite comic story. And by the way, you guys had amazing uh, comments. And a lot of them were stories I've read. Some of them I haven't, which I'm going to go back to because I'm super excited. I trust you guys and your your knowledge. But it was just so fun to see all these stories come up. Some I'd forgotten about that I read years ago. But real quick, I got into comics. I was 10 years old and the show X-Men had just aired on Saturday morning cartoons on Fox. And when I first saw X-Men, my mind was blown. I'd never seen anything like it. Immediately, I was drawn to the characters. And I'd grown up a Ninja Turtles fan, G.I. Joe, Transformers, uh, watching Ghostbusters, the cartoon show, all those just, and I loved them. They were fun. But man, there was something else about X-Men that I, I couldn't have described it to you at 10. It just gripped me. I was like, why do I love these characters so much? Why do I care so much about what happens to them? And that sent me on this 10-year thing where I just, anything X-Men, I, I inhaled. I started saving up all my allowance money. All I spent it on was comics. And from there, it just grew into this love of comic books in general. And I became um, a fan of Spider-Man and Daredevil and Batman especially, um, those were all my favorites, but I, I dipped into everything. If if I had the extra money, I was buying extra stuff. And one of my best friends, who I came to meet when I was seventeen, he was even way beyond it than than me. Um, he, way into comics, and he worked at a comic book store. So all of a sudden, I had this whole new world open to me. And so for about fifteen total years, I just was deep diving into comics. I still have boxes and boxes and boxes of comics at home. Thankfully, I was smart enough to bag and board most of them early, so they're, most of them are still in mint condition. But um, I just I absolutely adore comic books. Uh, since the last ten years or so, I've really have not been able to read that much um, for a number of reasons. A, I started having a family, which meant my money needed to be spent in other ways. Uh, B, it became harder and harder to keep up with everything as I worked more. So I really have not followed comics too closely the last 10 years, um, just dipping in and out here and there on the big stuff. But really got into them for those 15-year stretches. And I'd go back and I'd read stuff from the 70s and 80s. Just, I was in. And I love comic books. So bringing this back up just really stirred me to sit down and say, like, what are my top five favorite comic book stories of all time? Now, I'm going to start with the honorable mentions because I've read a lot of comics and, and there's some stuff that just needs to be talked about because it, it deserves it. 
but we're going to build up. I'm going to do a top five, my favorite comic book stories of all time. And, and by the way, I want you guys thinking about this too, because I want this conversation to keep going for, for no other reason than a, I like reading what you guys talk about, but B, I really like seeing new ideas because I want to know, uh, I want to see the stories that I haven't read. So I'm mostly a Marvel guy, although I've read plenty of DC, but definitely mostly a Marvel guy and definitely a superhero guy. So if you guys get into, when it gets into comics beyond superhero stuff, just I've barely read any of them. I've, I've read some stuff because some of it is just, you can't escape it. Um, it was so good. So many people talk about it. But other than those things, um, haven't read many comics that are not superheroes. So so my list is going to be very superhero-centric, going to be very Marvel-centric. But I just wanted to do this because it's fun. Like, who doesn't like talking about your listing your favorite things? So for you guys uh, and for myself, I made this list. We're going to go through it. I'm going to talk comics. And uh, if you guys have not read these comic stories, I highly recommend them. Go find them. Uh, I believe Marvel Unlimited has this awesome free trial. So you can read pretty much every Marvel comic ever for a season. Um, great subscription service. And there's just all these cool ways to get comics digitally now. Or hunt them down, track them down, uh, collect them still, whatever you want. But here we go. We're going to talk about some of the best comic stories ever. Now I'm going to start honorable mentions. First one I'm going to throw out there is just Sandman. Now, uh, I'm a huge Neil Gaiman fan. I've, I've read, I think, all of his novels. I don't think I've missed any. I love American Gods, Good Omens. Um, oh, there's one I'm thinking of. It's on the tip of my brain right now. I just can't remember the name of it. But the point, I, I've read most of Neil Gaiman's stuff. I love Neil Gaiman. I love Stardust. Just great, great books. And uh, and then he did Sandman, which one of the only comic, non-superhero comic stories I've ever read. It's it's absolutely fascinating. Neil Gaiman paints a world and stories, and he's so good with dialogue, and he's so imaginative. You just got to check out Sandman. It's absolutely amazing. Then I'm also going to throw out The Walking Dead here. And the truth is, I haven't read that much Walking Dead. What I have read, really good stuff. Obviously, the show came off of it and has been super popular, but uh, I do recommend checking it out. It's What I've read is good, and from everybody I know who's followed it the whole way through, you can't speak highly enough about it. Uh, the next thing I'm going to say is, uh, well, we're going to get some spoilers here, because now when I mention these things, you're going to see that they're not on my top five. So here comes the, uh, the, the drama of the show. So um, Death of Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, that was in uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, the Brian Michael Bendis run. They came to an end, uh, and they actually killed off Peter Parker. Just crazy, right? Like, who does that? Uh, the most popular comic book character um, ever in Marvel and maybe ever overall, although Batman has a good claim to fame for that. So it, one and two, Batman, Spider-Man, 1A, 1B. But they kill him off, and it's crazy. But the, the writing is so fantastic, and this sets up Miles Morales to become the new Ultimate Spider-Man, lead that series, and it's just really well done. I love Bendis' dialogue. He's so good with dialogue. He's so good at um, telling a story, and it just whips. It's just fast. He doesn't uh, overwhelm you with too much talking. Like, a, like I love Chris Claremont, but if you read Chris, Chris Claremont comics, they're like reading novels. He just, he talks, everybody just explains their whole actions and everything. Um, but anyways, Death of Spider-Man, uh, definitely in the uh, honorable mentions. 
Then I got Batman Court of Owls. It was in the New 52. Just a, a great Batman story. Um, and then this is a biggie that didn't make my top five, but Watchmen. Now, Alan Moore's Watchmen is one of the definitive comic graphic novels. Um, I, I believe originally it was a six-part series. It's absolutely fantastic. Just such a, a, a gripping look at what it really might be like if there were superheroes in the world. Um, Garth Ennis's The Boys, which just became a show on Amazon, uh, has a similar idea of what it'd be like if superheroes were real. I think Watchmen did it better. Um, Alan Moore is just a, a king of graphic novel, limited series writing for comics. And uh, Watchmen is just from, from Dr. Manhattan to... Um, Man, I, I'm I'm dropping all their names right now. I can't think of all the characters, but um, you guys you guys know. I mean, if you're into comics, you've read Watchmen. It's fantastic. Go check out that book right now. It's so good. Uh, next is I uh, got Batman's Death in the Family. So this is when Joker kills Robin, and uh, it's the second Robin. First Robin went on to become Nightwing. Um, so this is the second Robin, Jason. He, he's killed by uh, Joker. And it's the first, like, major Batman story where there was, like, super loss. Like, Batman faced loss and consequences in life from his uh, his choices he's made to be the Dark Knight. It's it's fantastic story. They really did an awesome job of in the Batman Arkham games of kind of bringing this story back around, especially in Arkham Knight, um, and did some really cool stuff with that. It's a story that doesn't end. Um, it just keeps going. It, it's fed into everything Batman since. And it's just fantastic. So check out Death in the Family. I got another Batman, a couple more Batman stories actually here in um, uh, the Honorable Mentions. The next one is a Killing Joke. This is the Joker origin story. Now, there's been like five Joker origin stories. Uh, the truth is because, frankly, they want you to keep guessing as to which could be the real one. And because Joker's so crazy, the idea is that he doesn't even know really what his origin is. So this is uh, the most famous one, though. It's called The Killing Joke. It goes back and forth between um, Batman uh, story with Batman and the Joker, and then the and then the past tense of Joker, how he became Joker. This is where we get the origin story of Joker uh, wearing the red hood and going in uh, doing something for the uh, for a mob, and then ending up in the acid vat and becoming the Joker. Um, it's about this down and out guy who loses um, his wife. He's just a total loser. It's it's a super duper depressing story. And on the Batman side of it, this is the story where Barbara Gordon goes from being Batgirl to getting uh, shot in the back by Joker, becoming paralyzed and then becoming Oracle later. So Jim Gordon, uh, there's a great story arc with Jim Gordon and Barbara Gordon in this. And it's just an incredible story. It's a one-off comic. It's really only like 60 pages. And um, artwork's amazing. Story's amazing. There's a reason why this is the Joker story that everybody talks about when they um, talk about the Joker origin. So that's the killing joke. This was the heart. And the next one is maybe the hardest, uh, definitely the hardest Batman one I had to leave off my list. And that's Nightfall. Now, I know there's actually a lot of people out there who don't think Nightfall was a very well-told story. Nightfall is the story of Bane uh, basically plotting to destroy Batman. Now, the story, I love the character of Bane. It's basically Bane grew up in prison and he becomes the master of prison. He's like the, believes himself to be the greatest warrior ever. And then one day in prison, he comes across this newspaper and it's basically talking about Batman. 
and he he decides that I must test myself by destroying this Batman. And he just he researches Batman, finds out Batman's defeated all these villains. And so his idea is like, I will beat the bat and then I will be the greatest warrior of all. So what he does is he he unleashes Arkham. That's how he, he gets to Gotham. He escapes from prison and gets to Gotham, breaks open Arkham and lets every Batman bad guy out. All of them get out at the same time. And Batman is like realizes he's got to just stop them all. And so Batman does what Batman does. He's obsessive. And he decides to just go after all these villains and he doesn't rest. So he's just knocking them out. And every day he's getting like three to five villains. He's just capturing them, send them back into custody, but it's wearing him down. He just won't rest. He's not sleeping. And eventually Bane shows up after about three to five days. Batman's just worn down, hasn't slept. And that's when Bane fights him. And this is where you get the famous story of Bane breaking Batman's back, just lifting him up, breaking his back, which they redid in the Dark Knight Rises, the uh, the back breaking where Bane breaks him over his knee. Uh, just an iconic image. So, but after that, we get Azrael, who um, Batman chooses a successor to basically take his place because he doesn't know if he'll ever be able to come back. And the successor rises up and Batman's one rule is that he doesn't kill. Well, this successor comes up uh, and decides like, no, Batman was wrong. We need to kill these guys. So he becomes this brutal Batman, creates a suit of armor and uh, and just goes around just wanting to kill the enemies. And so he basically goes off the edge. And then Batman rehabs himself, comes back, and then we get... Um, oh, by the way, yeah, anyways, I won't go into that. He, did, he that This lasts for like a year where this new Batman is there. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It's I think it's like John Mark something. He, he comes out and he, so for like a year, Batman comics were just this new Batman with the new armor and it's just very different. But then Batman in the background is rehabbing and he comes back and faces him off and basically gets the mantle back. And it's, it's a great story. So good, but just wasn't quite good enough to make my top five. Uh, the next one I put up there is Death of Superman. And uh, this, I love Death of Superman. It's the the idea Doomsday comes, uh, gets in a battle to the death of Superman. Superman defeats him, but also dies. Then four new Superman rise up. It's uh, Man of Steel, Superboy, the Cyborg. And then uh, I think it's Last Son of Krypton. And these new four Superman are fighting. And, and one of them is just a human putting on armor. Uh, the other guys seem like legitimate Superman. Nobody can realize they're, they're all kind of saying they're the real Superman and uh, it's confusing everybody. And it's just a great story. It's like, for, and then for uh, another thing DC did, which is really cool for about a year, there were all these different Superman comics with these characters existing in this world until finally Superman comes back. It's just fantastic story again. Very similar, though, to the Nightfall. And the, the crazy thing is they did them either the same year or one year after the other. They were both done in a really similar time. It's just DC was getting really, uh, really creative at that point and uh, killing off their, their best characters and trying new things. It was just super a cool idea. So I love Death of Superman. Great story. Um, next is uh, Hush. Now, Hush... The story itself is pretty good. It goes on. It's Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee co collaborated to create this awesome Batman story. The story itself is really good. But my favorite thing about Hush is actually the artwork. 
Now, Jim Lee, uh, most of you guys would know Jim Lee from the past. He did uh, his run on X-Men is just iconic. And other than that, just one of the great comic book artists of all time. But he did Batman for this. And the story was great. Loeb's storytelling is always good. And um, but coupled with Jim Lee's art was fantastic. And so in this one, it's just another run of the mill Batman story where he's fighting multiple villains. But there's this behind the scenes character named Hush. and You don't really know who he is. And it's a long lost person from Batman's past. It's just a great storyline. And they do a really cool thing again in the Arkham games, this time in Arkham City with uh, Hush coming in. It's just really cool stuff. Great story. And uh, the covers of Hush were some of the best Batman covers ever. So check out Hush. It's so worth it. Um, and the covers alone just worth like making prints of those, put them on your wall. Um, so Hush, yeah, another honorable mention. And then, uh, and then I just put here, anything Grant Morrison. Now, I got to say, Grant Morrison, I think just um, he might be my favorite comic book writer of all time. And it's crazy to say that because he's he's more modern, uh, really just started doing stuff in the early 2000s, late 90s uh, when he started getting big. But he did a run on X-Men, which is so fantastic. He just changed so much about X-Men and came up with so so many new ideas, took them in new directions. Uh, You know, one thing that happens in superhero comics all the time is they're rehashing stuff. They bring back dead characters. But Morrison did all that in such a clever way. And he came up with all these new things that just I don't think anybody else could have thought of. And it's awesome. Um, go read that Morrison run. I believe it was around 2001 when he, uh, to 2003, I think, he was doing X-Men. It's just fantastic. But then he did a run later, just a few years ago, on Batman, which was equally awesome. He, he just Anytime Morrison does something, he, he comes up with these ideas that are so outside the box, so interesting, so weird, and they just work. And it's just, he's a wonderful person to bring into comics that might be growing a little stale and he just completely rejuvenates them. So I appreciate anything Morrison does. And I just absolutely love anything by him. Now, none of his stories made my top five, which is crazy. But him as a writer, I just, if it says Morrison on it, I'm in. So go check out his runs on X-Men and Batman. Um, and finally, this is the absolute hardest thing I ever, I, I had to leave off my top five. But the, uh, once you hear the ones that are on there, you'll understand. But the Dark Phoenix Saga put in honorable mentions. Oh, even saying that right now, that hurts. Because the Dark Phoenix Saga is um, the most iconic X-Men story. It is so amazing. What they did with Jean Grey in this, how uh, they build the X-Men to the end where they have to choose about uh, to save Jean or to let her go because she's just at this point. The Phoenix Insider is just so evil. Um, what they do with the Hellfire Club in this, the way they weave characters in and out, but what they really did about making one of the X-Men's own characters turn evil. It, it was just so far ahead of its time. I believe this story took place in the uh, late 70s. Claremont came up with this. And it's, it's so good, and you have to read it. Um, and then what, uh, one really surprising thing is the X-Men animated series in the 90s did a fantastic retelling of this. They did a four-part series, and it really held true to the comic books for the most part, and it was excellent. I highly recommend checking it out. It was it was so good, and um, what what's so sad about this is that the movie versions have sucked. They did uh, X Men: Last Stand. They did Dark Phoenix in the back, and honestly, I've never been able to forgive Brett Ratner for this. But um, the first two movies were done by Brian Singer: X Men, X Men Two. X Men One was okay. X Men Two is awesome. 
and then they did X3. Well, Singer was supposed to do it, and then he got, and he was going to do Dark Phoenix, and we trust Singer. All the best X-Men movies were done by Brian Singer, and he, uh, he was going to do Dark Phoenix, and that's what sets up at the end of X2. You see the Phoenix fire in the, in the water, and so I was super excited, but then uh, he bailed. He bailed to do Return of Superman, which sucked. It's not a good Superman movie. He bailed to do that, though, because it had been a lifelong dream of his to direct a Superman movie. And in comes Brett Ratner, who really, to that point, has Rush Hour, which, whatever. Rush Hour is fine, I guess. And The Family Man with Nicolas Cage, which I kind of like that movie. I'm not going to lie. But he, what, I mean, no, why should he be helming this major franchise, though? That's what I want to know. He comes in, and he's just like, eh, Dark Phoenix is fine. And he's just like kind of tosses the screenplay. And instead, he decides to do the Mutant Cure screenplay. And then make Dark Phoenix a side story. Now, that has to go in the rung of stupidest movie decisions ever made by a director, especially among comic book movies. Just so stupid. I cannot believe he did that. And then he just made Dark Phoenix just a side character, which was not interesting. Uh, The most iconic X-Men story of all time becomes a side character. What on earth is going on here? Sorry, guys. My phone just started talking to me. That's weird. That was really weird. <laughs> Anyways, podcast time, I guess. Podcast on a podcast. But yeah, I, so Ratner does that. It's just so dumb. I can't believe he does that. And um, it, and I just watched X3 the other night again with my kids because they're going through all the X-Men movies for the first time. Uh, my daughter is anyways. And I just watched X3 again. I'm like, the whole time I watch it, I'm like, I hate this movie. They just, and I love X-Men. They're my favorite. And X3 sucks. And so, and then the new Dark Phoenix came out. And I was, I was excited. I was like, they're giving it its own movie. Good for them. All the actors came back, signed another contract for just one movie because they wanted to do the story so bad. And then it just, no good. Like, it's really one of the great tragedies of comic book movies ever. You look at Marvel and how um, much time and effort they put into crafting the Infinity War saga. And they just did such a good job. And then on the other hand, the X-Men movies are just like crapshoots. It's like you don't know if it's going to be good or bad. And that's one of the reasons I'm really excited X-Men's going into the MCU. And I'm hoping that in 10 years, maybe 15 years, they give Dark Phoenix another uh, shot and they actually do it right. Because it's a story that deserves it. All right. Here we go. Top five. You guys ready? All right. Number five. It's Spider-Man the night Gwen Stacy died. Um, I love Spider-Man. And this is just, this is one of the all-time stories right here. Uh, Green Goblin battling Spider-Man. Gwen Stacy's life in the balance. Spider-Man has to choose on the bridge. Who's he save? And he tries to save both. And and Gwen Stacy, who he's dating at the time, he tries to save her. And the the surprise of surprises, he he... It looks like he's going to save her as webbing gets her, but then her neck snaps because the, the tightness at, at being grabbed by the, the web as, as her fall. And it just floored everybody. Like, oh, my God, they actually did it. They killed off Gwen Stacy. It's crazy. Uh, read the Marvel book about this sometimes called Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, about the story behind the story of how they decided to do this. It's really fascinating. But the idea, um, they basically couldn't, like, it, it, the writers weren't sure if they could go through with it. And then they did. And it was so ballsy, but it also just changed Spider-Man forever. 
And, uh, you know, these death in the family, like the Batman one with Robin, whenever a major, major character dies in a comic, um, it's not always done well. And sometimes it's dumb and they bring them right back. But these, then there's the ones that are iconic. And this is one of the iconic ones. And the story still holds up. And as bad as Amazing Spider-Man 2 was with Andrew Garfield, the one thing I liked about that movie is they did the, the Gwen Stacy death scene. And it, they did that actually pretty well. It sucks that the rest of the movie was just eh and kind of ruined that because uh, I think they could have done something really cool with it. But um, it's just so good and such a good story. So um, I had to put that on there. And it really impacted me. It was one of the first things as a kid I read that really emotionally moved me. Um, the next thing is, I told you guys this is going to be Marvel-centric, so I apologize. The next thing is Wolverine Origins. Now, <laughs> if you, you uh, guys who might be younger in your 20s or teens, you don't remember what it was like to not know who Wolverine was. So when I'm reading comics, first getting into them for like 10 years, Wolverine didn't have a backstory. That entire time, it was like every memory he got, he'd find out was false. And so he, he just didn't know who he was. We didn't know who he was. There was always this mystery around him. And then finally, in uh, the early 2000s, they decide we're actually going to finally give you Wolverine's story. And so to, to not understand what that was like, um, the big bigness of it after 30 years of nobody knowing who Wolverine really was and then finally revealing who, who he was, how he came to be, how old he really was. It was massive, absolutely massive. And they did it so well. They did a six-part series and I bought it as a graphic novel. It's amazing. The story's so good. You find out his real name, which is James. Um, you find out he really did have his claws before he was... Um, uh, before he was given the medal. And all this cool stuff you find out, but um, you also find out why he's so pained and anguished, um, just the pain he went through as a child. And dude, it is such a good story. They did so well. The artwork is fantastic. And for me, being a huge Wolverine fan, he was actually the first character I really just fell in love with as a, a comic reader. I wanted everything Wolverine. Um, for me to finally get that, it was just so fulfilling. And uh, so that's that's number four. The next one daredevil death of electra death of electra is just killer it's i think the daredevil electra love story is actually the best comic book love story ever done frank miller did this story and for those who don't know frank miller did dark knight returns which is also worth honorable mention so i'll mention now it's an amazing story um but he changed batman made him the dark knight Anyways, he also did a run on Daredevil, and he brought in Elektra, the hand, all this awesome stuff for Daredevil. And this story is basically Daredevil falls in love with Elektra in college, and then um, they uh, go their separate ways. Elektra becomes an assassin. She comes back into Daredevil's life, and he's got to deal with this. Uh, I love her, but I can't. She's I don't agree with how she does things, all this, and it's so good. And then, of course, she dies. And it's just, it's another fantastic story and it's totally holed up over time. And it's by far, Daredevil is one of my secret favorite characters. He's just so cool um, and so uh, compact. He doesn't go around the world doing all this stuff. He fights a lot of his battles in New York, especially in Hell's Kitchen. And just, um, but he's, he's a pained anguish. He's got powers, but they're not super, super strong powers. Uh, just a uh, just a great character, really great crime story character, but this was uh, his best story, and it was it's fantastic. Um, number two, Batman: The Long Halloween. 
this I think is the best Batman story. Um, it's so it's just so good because you get so much. You get uh, great Joker stuff, but then you also get the Two Face storyline um, with how he became Two Face. The whole Harvey Dent lead up, um, the acid, what Batman has to go through, seeing um, the changes in people he trusts, and they rehashed a lot of it in the movie The Dark Knight. And by the way, Dark Knight is like everybody's favorite. Well, maybe not favorite, but it's hard to ignore that it's probably the best comic book movie ever made. And they stole uh, or took a lot of it from this long Halloween story. So that tells you how good that story was, that it just translated into a movie and became iconic again. And it really, it's just, it's fantastic. Um, go check out the long Halloween. It's my favorite Batman story. And, uh, and it, uh, I mean, most of my honorable mentions, a lot of them were Batman stories. So that tells you, how much it took for it to be number one on my Batman story. So Batman, the long Halloween. Finally, this is the big one. This, this is the story. It happened right after I got into comics, happened to my favorite characters, the X-Men, and it changed everything. It was the most uh, creative thing I've ever seen in comics on a personal level. Um, I love everything about this. And that is the age of apocalypse. And I'm going to add Legion Quest in there, too, because you really can't have one without the other. Age of Apocalypse is in Legion Quest, which is a four-part series right before Age of Apocalypse. Professor X's son, Legion, is basically the most powerful mutant, and he decides to go back in time to kill Magneto so Professor X's vision can come to fruition. And instead, in the battle, when Magneto and Professor X are friends in the past, Professor X does a heroic thing and saves Magneto's life by killing him, by uh, sacrificing himself. And then what you have is a future without Professor X. So now you get uh, Magneto in honor of Professor X and, and uh, because Xavier saved him, he decides to carry up the mantle of Professor X's dream. And, oh, it's so good. But without Professor X, you basically see what the world would be like without him. And Magneto leads the X-Men now. And Apocalypse basically knew that Xavier was the main thing that could keep him from taking over. And so you get this dystopian future where Apocalypse has basically raised up mutants, but nasty mutants, like experimented on mutants. He's just uh, done all these terrible things. He's basically running the world. And in the with that, he's had his four horsemen of the apocalypse with him, and they're just decimating humans. They just kill humans and any mutants that stand up to him. And it's gritty and gross and horrible. And yet there's this small band of mutants led by Magneto still fighting the good fight. And it's how they decide to, to uh, finally put an end to this once and for all because Bishop who was back trying to stop Legion. And because Bishop was already out of time, he was the only one who survived out of all that when this, when the past changed. And so Bishop exists, finds Magneto, but he doesn't really have memories, but they go into his memories and they basically find out that everything could be different. And so they decide, how can we change everything? And it becomes this mission of how do we reset it to save Xavier and get the real future back? And it is so good. And for four months, every X-Men title changed. And they all changed to this. So there's literally like, it's like a 60 comic book story. 
And uh, it's it's fantastic. I, I don't know if they could ever do a movie of it because it's so huge and epic. Um, they could maybe do a show of it, but it, the production value would have to be out of this world. And uh, it, I think it might be a story that only ever exists in the comics. So guys, check it out if you can. I, I think you can buy the whole set now of Age of Apocalypse. People sell it on eBay. You can get it for like 100 bucks. But it is so worth the read. It is fantastic. The artwork in it, you got Joe Maggerera. You got Chris Bachelot. Um, you got my favorite X-Men writer ever, who's Scott Lobdell. He's writing for him. Uh, a lot of the comics. It's, it's absolutely off the hook. The artwork is amazing. The storytelling is amazing. And for me... There was nothing else that ever engrossed me like that story. I've reread it a hundred times and it's my absolute favorite. So I can't speak of it highly enough. Age of Apocalypse, number one with a bullet. So, oh man, uh, man, I'm hyped talking about all this. I got to go read some comics now, but that's it guys. That's all I got. It's uh, my top five. Um, share with me your top five. Uh, hit up Bambox on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Throw it at us guys, your top five. And let's just keep talking about this stuff. Keep talking about comics, the video games coming up. Share with me more uh, stories that I need to check out because I'm in, man. This got me all hyped to go read comics again. So without further ado, you guys have an awesome week and we'll see you next time.